Attention, the air raid alert system has been set on in Kyiv. This has been part of Ukraine's soundtrack for the past two years. Attention, the air raid alert system has been set on in Kyiv. It is highly recommended... When senior producer Sean Powers and I were in Ukraine in September, checking into the hotel was a little different than what we expected. Of course, they did the usual things. They gave us our keys and told us the Wi-Fi password. And then they took us on a small tour of their air raid shelter and gave us instructions on what to do if there was one. And then, sure enough, that night, around 4 a.m. Attention, the air raid alert system has been set on in Kyiv. So an air raid alert has just gone off. And uh, we're not supposed to take the elevators. We're just supposed to go down the stairs. The shelter was essentially just the second floor of an underground parking garage. You just had to look for stickers on the floor with big red arrows that showed you the way. And they made it as nice as they could. They had a little tea station, a few rows of twin beds, some beanbag chairs. People who had been through this before immediately took a bed and then went back to sleep. Newbies, like Sean and I, stayed up. And while we didn't say so at the time, I think unconsciously we were bracing for explosions. That night, 43 rockets were fired into Kyiv, but 42 of them were caught by Ukraine's air defense system. We were in that air raid shelter for two hours while all this played out in the skies above us. I'm Dina Templereston, and this is Click Here, a podcast about all things cyber and intelligence. We tell true stories about the people making and breaking our digital world. And while all eyes are on the Middle East and the violence raging there, the war in Ukraine has slipped from the headlines. And for nearly two years now, Ukrainians have been told to huddle for safety in basements and corridors and bathrooms during Russian missile attacks. But they've also taken a more proactive approach, one that includes inventing smartphone applications and creating telegram channels that allow them to make peace with the unpredictable aspects of war. It would be like cool if you could plan ahead, if you could know like at which hour missile will arrive. Ukrainians have found a way to create the next best thing. They built an app for that. An app that gives them all kinds of information about incoming fire so they can decide whether to continue their meeting or finish their latte before heading to a shelter. And it isn't just about missiles. They've created other apps and Telegram channels and Facebook pages, all aimed at helping ordinary Ukrainians find small ways not just to stay safe, but to go on with their daily lives in the midst of war. ChatGPT, AI machine, satellite, engine ignition, click here, and liftoff. Stay with us. If you're looking for a daily guide to cybersecurity news and policy, sign up for the Cyber Daily from Recorded Future News. It serves up the day's most interesting and important cyber stories from our sister publication, The Record, and then aggregates all of the big cyber stories you might have missed from news outlets around the world. Just go to therecord.media and click on Cyber Daily to get all you need to know about the world of cybersecurity right in your inbox. Hello, I'm Adam Fleming from the Global Story podcast from the BBC World Service. We are looking at Lena Khan, the face of the US government's battle to regulate big tech. 
She's already redefined the way we talk about monopolies. Now she's taking on the likes of Amazon and Meta. But who is she and will she win? The Global Story brings you fresh takes and smart perspectives from BBC journalists around the world. Find us wherever you get your BBC podcasts. For now, we have a very small factory here for experimental production. Uh, we can go to some floors. I, I will show some interesting stuff. This is Valentine Ritsenko. He's the chief marketing officer at a Ukrainian security company called Ajax. They're kind of like the ADT of Ukraine. And he took us on a little tour around their factory. And this is a small warehouse. A lot of circuit boards. And is this... Is this there's a little arm that's switching a phone on and off to test it. That's really cool. When the Russians invaded two years ago, Valentine said that for most people in Ukraine, it was really a surprise. People had appointments. They were doing things they usually do. They weren't bracing for war. In fact, Valentine was supposed to get on a flight to Lviv in the western part of Ukraine that very morning. IX was having a ribbon cutting on a new R&D center there. The invasion happened as he was getting ready to go to the airport. And it was early morning flight. It was crazy morning with a lot of uh, chatting, uh, with a lot of people. Uh, we were calling our friends, asking what are they doing. Uh, we had a lot of chats in uh, our company. They decided to have some people come into the office and pack things up they didn't want falling into Russian hands. There was also our manufacturing facility. And were you worried that the Russians were going to come in and yes. take everything? Yes. That's why we used 170 trucks to move everything from here to Zakarpatia. No. Yeah. So the people were in here literally packing as fast as they could? Yes, yes. It was crazy because some of the tanks, Russian tanks, what was, were not so far from, from this uh, site. So after they packed up the office, he called an audible. He decided to put his wife and kids and the dog into the car and drive to Lviv instead. Usually if you go from Kiev to Lviv by car, it's like a six hours drive. But that day, the roads were clogged with traffic, with people desperate to escape. And that day, it took me 21. 21 hours to do what was usually a six-hour trip. One of the things that struck Valentine at the time was the eerie silence. They knew missiles were coming into Kyiv from Russia, but the air raid sirens that were supposed to warn of the incoming attack, they were silent. Before Russia's invasion in February 2022, Ukraine's tech culture wasn't all that different from Silicon Valley's. Most of its apps were service-based, solving small problems, like, are you hungry but don't feel like moving? For when your couch just won't let you leave the house. Oh. Well, something like DoorDash can help you with that. There you are! Are you hungry? Oh, dude, I am starving. The big minds in Ukrainian tech were chasing those kinds of low-stakes things. But when the war began, 
that changed. They started to focus on matters of life and death. Things like trying to figure out how to let a whole country know about incoming missiles when all they had to work with is a dated Soviet-era alert system that didn't really work. And it was fully analog system, so without any digital interfaces. So just for understanding, it's like a piece of Soviet Union sheet uh, which was developed during uh, uh, Cold War. Were they just big speakers? Yes, just, just big speakers. This, no kidding, is what some of them sound like. The kind of old-style, distorted sound system you'd expect from outdated Soviet equipment. Not only was it hard to understand, but lots of people couldn't even hear it at all. And uh, you are lucky if it is close to your house. Uh, okay, if you talk about Kiev, it's not, not so big deal, but when we're talking about small villages, uh, it's a big problem for them. A problem that Valentine was determined to solve. So have you ever wondered why emergency alerts like the Amber Alert are able to sound on your phone even if it's in silent or sleep mode? It turns out you have to get a special license. If you have an app that needs a critical alert to sound, you have to get permission from Apple. Valentine's company, IAX, went through that application process. And apparently, it's pretty long and arduous. Uh, so we applied uh, for this functionality several years ago. We... You need to convince Apple that whatever it is you do requires busting into someone's day. In IAX's case, the application was approved because its app was part of a security system. And Apple doesn't just give these licenses to anyone. They have, uh, like, um, special filters. So uh, you, as an e-commerce platform, you can't apply. Amazon can't tell me they want me to buy something. Yes. Apple has decided that an e-commerce site like Amazon shouldn't be waking you up in the middle of the night to tell you about a great sale. But people would want to know right away if they had a break-in or a water leak. And of course you want this because you want to know if someone's just gotten into your house, even if you're sleeping. Yeah, so we, we already had this functionality. And because there weren't very many companies in Ukraine that had permission to send out these critical alerts, it wasn't too surprising that Valentine got a phone call when he was on that unexpectedly long 21-hour drive from Kiev to Lviv. The call was from the head of an IT company who said he was trying to develop an app to serve as a sort of air raid alert system. He told that uh, they have started to develop some app and they would like to get this uh, functionality. Maybe IX, with their special licenses, might want to help. It was unprovoked, but this is what Russian President Vladimir Putin unleashed on Ukraine as the sun came up this morning. Remember, these plans to develop this app, this phone call to share information, is happening on the first day of the invasion, while Valentin is in his car trying to evacuate his family. But he knows, even on day one, that this will probably be a long fight. And an app that sends critical alerts about incoming missile strikes straight to people's cell phones? Something like that could save lives. 
So even as he's scrambling to save his family that day, he tells the IT executive, yes, we'll help you build this app. But they had to solve for something much more basic before they can even get started. It was uh, the most uh, crucial question, how to get these alerts officially into the app. How to get those alerts and then create an app to broadcast them. I just uh, called Deputy uh, Minister of Digital Transformation. Turns out the Deputy Minister is a friend of his. And uh, I, I messaged her, uh, like, look, we have this uh, idea, uh, how can we get these uh, alerts from, from Army? How do you get those error alerts from the Army, he said. Which led them to another totally unexpected problem, a super retro human problem. It turns out that the government's error rate alerts, well, they're set off manually. In each region, there are, uh, like, um, civil defense centers, and uh, they receive these alerts from army. Uh, then they should press a red button, like... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> really? Uh, so they, can, they uh, should press a physical button, and uh, that's how these physical sirens are activated in this territory. So this is the old Soviet system. Yes. Plane, I got a call, a plane is coming. Press the button. Yes, pre press the button. You remember the little red button? Yeah. Push the little red button. And you may want to put on a seatbelt. Okay. So there are people sitting in bunkers in all these different regions of Ukraine, they call them obelisks, whose job is to push the air raid siren button. In addition to the absurdity of the existence of an actual red button that needed to be pushed, all this meant that the system was so analog, there was no obvious way to incorporate something like that into a smartphone app. So, from his car, as he was driving his family to safety, Valentine began directing the IAX team to develop something new. Think of it as a digital big red button. And a mere hours later, they presented him with a simple web page. And in the middle of it was this giant toggle switch, like the one you have on your iPhone to set your preferences. Valentine's web page ended up going to those civil preparedness centers around Ukraine, but with some new instructions. All those people in the bunkers would do what they'd always done, press that physical button. But now they would also hit that little digital toggle and push the alert to smartphones. First you flick this switch, then this switch. That activates it. Then you push this button. Now, repeat back what I just said. And those guys sitting in the bunkers now had two tasks. Push that red button, and then flick Valentine's new switch, and they'd be sending alerts out to the country. Three days after they sent the digital red button to the civilian defense centers, they introduced a beta version of the app for the public. Anyone who downloaded it would get alerted any time a Russian missile was launched into Ukraine. And right away, it caught on. Could you tell how many people downloaded the app? Uh, in, in the first three days, it was like one million. And as developers do, they kept tinkering with it. The Air Alert app began getting more precise. Instead of alerting a whole region, the alert got geographically more specific. We added these um, small territories. So you, you can activate the alert on a small territory. 
Users could set a regional preference that allowed them just to be alerted if a missile was headed in their direction. So if you're in Kyiv, no need to rush your latte if you know the missiles are headed for Cherniv. Eventually, the app was paired with telegram channels. Citizens near the border would pick up Russian radio communications or spot missiles flying overhead and then post the information in coordinates. It became so precise that the app and the telegram channel could predict when strikes would happen, down to specific neighborhoods. They also upgraded it to alert people about other kinds of attacks. It's not only air, but also artillery, chemical, nuclear, and street fights. And then they added one more detail. One thing that no one really expected. A voice that would not just inspire, but maybe actually comfort people. And they came up with this guy. Attention. Air raid alert. Proceed to the nearest shelter. The voice should sound familiar. We'll play a little more. Proceed to the nearest shelter. Don't be careless. Your overconfidence is your weakness. That's right. It's Mark Hamill from Star Wars. Your overconfidence is your weakness. Your faith in your friends is yours. Did you ask him, yes. please don't be Mark Hamill, be Luke Skywalker instead? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And the idea was that it would be calming to people. Yeah. And when you heard it the first time, what did you think? It was fantastic. When we come back, a tour of some of the other clever apps and Facebook pages that are helping Ukrainians weather this war. Attention, the air alert is over. May the force be with you. Stay with us. Politics has never been stranger or more online, which is why the politics team at Wired is making a new show, Wired Politics Lab. It's all about how to navigate the endless stream of news and information and what to look out for. Each week on the show, we'll dig into far-right platforms, AI chatbots, influencer campaigns, and so much more. Wired Politics Lab launches Thursday, April 11th. Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Click Here. I'm Dina Temple-Raston. The list of apps and digital tools that have emerged from the war go way beyond warning about rockets and missiles. Take this thing called Digital Jars. Monobank, Ukraine's all-digital bank, created it. And Digital Jars were initially introduced before the war as a way for friends to pool their money for trips or to pay restaurant bills. It was just a simple click in your Monobank app. But when the war began, people started using the app differently. They started using it to donate to charity or to start crowdfunding campaigns. One tap, post the link, and anyone can start a campaign to buy bulletproof vests or start a fund for a particular wounded soldier. The government had started an app before the war called DIA. It was supposed to modernize government services. But once the war started, its offerings changed. Now, instead of just applying for a marriage license or paying your taxes, you could apply for a low-interest government loan to rebuild your house after a bombing. Or you could get some funding to keep your business afloat while Russian troops might be occupying your town. No access to cable or TV because Russian missiles took out the power? No problem. Dia streamed popular television shows, like the Eurovision competition. Which, by the way, was pretty exciting for Ukraine in 2022. 
That's the Ukrainian group that went on to win the competition that year. And then there are these kinds of organic, unexpected apps and Telegram and Facebook channels that take on a life of their own, like this one called Strum, which basically means current, like electrical current in Ukrainian. It was the brainchild of a self-described Ukrainian hipster named Roman Timotsko. As a hipster entrepreneur, I used to work a lot from different cafes, you know, lofty places with filtered coffee for $6. Roman is the CEO and founder of the Stroom Digital Marketing Company. And his clients included lots of cafes and restaurants and co-working spaces. And we met him in one in Kiev a little over a month ago. Note to self, if you're recording someone in a hipster cafe, One of the unexpected perils is steaming milk. We had to pause a bunch of times to avoid getting the sound of lots of steaming milk in our tape. About this time last year, Roman woke up to the sound of explosions. He lives in Lviv, and they were under rocket attack, and it knocked out the power in his apartment. There was no electricity, no internet connection, no mobile connection. So I felt like a caveman, and due to my hipsterish lifestyle, <laughs> I didn't have any food at home, and like I couldn't order anything because I didn't have internet. Apparently, Ukrainian hipsters eat out a lot. So, and I mean, I was blocked from working, you know, from home because no connection. So I went on a journey to find some food and get to know what's going on. So he went outside in search of a cafe that had power. He found a wood-fired pizza place that was still open. They didn't need electricity because they had wood. And he wandered around looking for some place, any place that had a generator, until he found one where he could work. As rolling blackouts in Lviv continued through last fall and winter, Roman got pretty good at finding cafes and bars with generators, and his friends started to ask him for tips. One of my friends asked me, hey, Roman, like, recommend me a place where I can work, because I want my friends, I was the person to be asked, like, hey, which cafes do have generators? So I'm like, oh, maybe this one and that one. And that friend told me, like, why don't you make a list of cafes with generators? And given that idea, I'm like, why don't why, I make a map of these cafes? So Roman made a map of five or ten cafes in Lviv that had generators, and then he posted it on Facebook. Just like I did it like 7 p.m. in the evening, and in the morning we already had 10,000 views or something, and like it went viral. It went viral. And then, before he knew it, he was flooded with emails from businesses asking, hey, please add us to your map. So we did. Like in few days or a week, maybe we had already like 150 places on the map, and it became a map not only with uh, generators but also with shelters. It wasn't long before Roman decided to integrate the map with his marketing business, Stroom. And week after week, amid the rolling blackouts, the Stroom list became a must-have for everyone. I mean, I was joking last winter that after we made this map. I couldn't find a 
table at the cafe, which is on the map, because everyone rushed there to to find this, to find their seat and like work on their laptop for hours and hours. Pretty soon, Stroom Maps wasn't just a trending list of cafes for hipsters to work from. Roman started to add essential services too, like telling people which pharmacies were open and where medical clinics were. And more and more people were using it. Within just two months, they had more than a million views for sure. Though there was one problem. How do you access an online map when the power is out and you don't have internet? Roman teamed up with the Lviv City Council, and what they did is they created a telegram bot that didn't need working internet to search the map. You don't need like 5G perfect internet uh, to access this bot. It, it sees your location and you can ask the bot which is the closest uh, point on Stroom map to me. So it shows you the closest cafe to your location with generator. I asked Roman if Stroom Maps had gotten him a lot of new customers for his marketing business. And he said no. People actually think Stroom Marketing stole the name from the map. Finding ways to adapt to all these inconveniences might seem like a small thing in the middle of a war, but it's actually really important to the fight. After 20 months of full-scale war, things have settled into a World War I-style battle of attrition. There are heavy casualties on both sides, and wins at the front are measured in inches, not yards. Wars of attrition are about making the fight too much to bear. So if people like Valentine and Roman can come up with clever ways to allow ordinary Ukrainians to live as close to normally as possible, well, that actually helps the fight in a way. Roman says Ukrainians can't stop living just because there's a war. No one knows for how long, but we should continue living our lives, continue creating products, doing business, continue falling in love, walking <laughs> streets, smelling flowers, playing chess. And who knows if anything else comes along that might interfere with any of that? If you guys know about uh, problems I can find solution for, please tell me because that's what we do. This is Click Here. Here are some of the top cyber and intelligence stories of the week. When U.S. President Joe Biden meets with his Chinese counterpart Xi Jinping on the fringes of the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit later this week, they're expected to discuss the Israel-Hamas war and the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Also high on the list, though, is a conversation about putting guardrails around the military use of artificial intelligence. The idea is to work together to try to avoid the problems of rapid adoption of unreliable AI technology. The U.S. has already started to build an agreement to cabin the use of military AI. On November 1st, the administration announced that 30 nations had agreed to back a declaration on military AI that calls for the technology to be developed in accordance with international humanitarian law. They agreed to use principles aimed at improving reliability and transparency and reducing bias. They also want systems that can be easily disengaged if they demonstrate what they call unintended behavior. The U.S. has been lobbying other nations to join the declaration. Internet blackouts continue in Gaza as Israeli troops press in on Gaza City and begin face-to-face -face fighting with Hamas. 
Ordinary people there say the lack of connectivity is making everything that much harder. People uh, were not uh, able to call uh, ambulances or civil defense forces or any of that. So ambulances were like driving around based on like what they can hear, like where they can hear the bombing is coming from. Israel, for its part, has denied turning off the internet, though the blackouts appear to coincide with various military moves on the ground. And finally, Jigsaw and two NGOs introduced a free tool last week that they say will track violent extremism, misinformation, and censorship. They call it Altitude. Jigsaw is a division of Google, and it's working with Tech Against Terrorism and the Global Internet Forum to Counterterrorism to build this tool it says will give smaller platforms the ability to easily and efficiently detect terrorist content. Big tech platforms like Google and Facebook and X, formerly known as Twitter, have been able to remove this kind of content from their networks. So terrorists have moved to less regulated and under-resourced platforms. Altitude is meant to give these small platforms an ability to address the problem. I'm Dina Temple-Raston, and I'm the executive producer and host of the show. Sean Powers is our senior producer and marketing director. Will Jarvis is our producer, and Lucas Riley and Jade Abdul-Malik are our staff writers. Our editing team is led by Karen Duffin and Lou Wolkowski, and Darren Ancrum does our fact-checking. Special thanks this week to Darina Antonuk and Daniel Puchdarov for their help with our reporting on the ground in Ukraine. Our theme and original music compositions are by Ben Levingston. We also use music from Blue Dot Sessions. And as always, we'd love to hear from you. Please leave us a review and rating wherever you get your podcasts. Or send us an email at clickhere at recordedfuture.com. Check out our website with details about our shows and our whole show catalog at Click Here Show. That's a wrap for this week. We'll be back on Tuesday. Looking for more of the cybersecurity and intelligence coverage you get on Click Here? Then check out our sister publication, The Record, from Recorded Future News. You'll get breaking cyber news from reporters in New York, Washington, London, and Kiev, among others. And you'll see for yourself why it attracts hundreds of thousands of page views every month. Just go to the record.media.